Thank you for joining IAB There. And now your host, Cheryl Goldstein. Over to you, Cheryl. Hello, welcome. Today is July 15th. I'm Cheryl Goldstein, EVP Member Engagement and Development here at the IAB. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream in which we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. What are consumers thinking and feeling in this crazy world we're in right now? And what do brands and media companies need to know? Well, we're going to explore that with our special guest today, Carrie Seifer, who's the general manager, North America Global Web Index. Carrie is a seasoned executive who's held leadership roles at major companies, including IBM, Publicis, Condé Nast. She's pretty much worked all angles of the digital media landscape. And I look forward to discussing trends and insights that you can garner from the Global Web Index, but also how she has proactively managed and chartered an amazing career path. So let's get to it. Let's bring on Carrie to the screen, Carrie Seifer. Hello, Carrie, how are you? Hi, it's so good to see you. Two greetings from Asbury Park. That's where I'm coming live right now for the next month. I'm so excited. Good move. Good move, I'm hoping Cheryl. Bruce Springsteen sighting. I'm hovering around the stone pony at night. <laughs> Probably not likely. Uh, poor Bruce. Anyway, Carrie, tell us a little bit. A global web index. You've got like billions of users, millions of panelists. Tell me how it works and what kind of insights you're able to get. Um, tell us a little bit about global web index. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I actually think you said it quite well, which is, you know, it's a global market research company. So, you know, delivering really deep consumer insights in very modern ways. Some of our some of our companies that work with us are some of the best media companies like NBC, Warner Media. We have a lot of technology companies that look for this kind of consumer insight like Slack and Google. We work with all the top agencies, so publicists, uh, WPP, my old friends at publicists, as you know, and then enterprise brands like Samsung, Unilever. So we do it globally, but but really kind of what it's about and why I think I got the invite here is, is deep, deep insights into consumers' perspective, which right now is, is ever-changing. So we're constantly surveying tons and tons of people around the globe to understand on behalf of all those customers, you you know, what's, how do they feel about current events? What is their device usage? Um, what are their current attitudes? Who do they trust? What's their views on economy? How do they feel about race? So very, very modern questions about how your customers are feeling right now. And is it, the, so this is panel based, is it survey? You go in yep, and survey. Yep. It's a survey panel, but, but you know, probably everyone does this a little bit different. But the good news is, you know, with, with cookies being more and more elusive, we are actually surveying digital behaviors in a digital way. So, for example, 40% of our survey respondents in the last survey that went out answered it all via a mobile device. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so yeah, that's a long way how do you get your panelists? Do they get a fee for answering or is it all just voluntary? So it's um, it's mostly voluntary, but basically what happens is we go out and try to, you know, make sure that we have a very diverse group of panelists. 
Um, and so, you know, every group, every demo, every race, ethnicity is represented. Um, and in areas where we do need to put, you know, I, I will say just taking a step back, in these days, we're finding people understand that this is a way to get their opinions heard and get through to sort of brands and media companies. So we're actually, since the pandemic, are seeing more and more panelists come on board because they see this as a path to get their voice heard. Um, but listen, yeah. in, in, in areas where we find we're light on a certain demographic, we will either incentivize or in a lot of times we'll offer to give to a charity because certain demographics feel like that's a better, better path forward than actually taking cash. So it's really interesting yeah. kind of the, the dance you do to make sure you have all representation in these surveys so that the data we put out is, is well represented. Yeah, yeah, I would think. I mean, I remember early on doing online surveys and the problem was older folks weren't online yet. You know, so it was really hard to get to certain demographic groups. Yeah, Today, that's yeah. less of an issue. But I remember early on, that was yeah. a challenge. You know, you got yeah. digitally savvy folks, but you really didn't get, you know, outside of that group. But you have 17 yeah, yeah. panels. What are some of the trends or themes? I mean, there's the obvious ones, right? Everyone's at home. Our viewing patterns, consumptions have changed because of everything that's happening. But what are some of the things that have been maybe a little surprising in the yeah. research that you're seeing? So, so yeah, in the in the spirit of trying to bring something that hasn't been said before, frankly, like I was digging up and trying to look for some of the weirder themes we're starting to see from the data. And I found three that I thought maybe I could share with you today, um, but you'll tell me. One, one is obviously around media and, and specifically diversity and inclusion and representation. Um, and so I'll dig into some stats there. The other thing that I thought was really interesting thematically was this growth with baby boomers and, and this kind of return of this demographic because this pandemic has forced them to be more digital. And so there's some really interesting stats and, and ideas there. And then sort of the third is really actually around food. So food is such an important part of culture and what's happening with trends and stats around food right now is fascinating. And so I felt like there's a lot to be learned there. Um, yeah, those so I know sound great. Yeah, yeah, let's so do a little dive in those. They'll sound interesting. Okay, perfect. So, so listen, here's, here's a stat that, that we found. We recently did a USA only. So we're a global company and a lot of people use us because they're pretty desperate for a look at the entire planet. Um, but we did just finish a USA only survey. And what we found is that only 9% of American consumers feel represented in advertising. So we are out there doing all this work and paying all these premiums to target specific people. And then we are not playing it out in the imagery we produce because so people do not represent the whole population. Or is that within, say, people of color or women? You're saying across the whole yeah, so this was as a whole. Now, as you go into certain ethnic groups, there's variability. But what I would tell you is the headline is, you know, the, the more they're a minority, the more they feel less represented. But even even things like um, another sort of stat in here is is people told us that 30 percent of them are living at home with the children without a partner. And yet every ad you see for cereal has two parents. 
30% are single parenting, right? And so so that's just an example where you've got 9% not feeling represented. And so you'll be like, okay, I'll put an African-American here or there, you know, or, or Asian American, but, but what about, what about a single parent or, or for example, right. gender and identity, one in four Americans um, don't fit into an, a typical gender role. And so how are you representing gender in this day and age if almost 25% are saying, you know, I, I don't identify as just male or just female, and yet all I'm seeing in ads is just male or just female. And so and anyway, those also, are just two examples. Yeah, there's, better, but there's also plenty of men who are the ones that are doing the female type tasks. I have a yeah. lot of friends where they are the breadwinner and their husbands are stay-at-home dads. And what yeah. you'll see are commercials where the dad's like a buffoon, you know, doesn't know how to make lunch, doesn't know how to do the laundry. Yeah. And I'll hear yeah. and say, God, in my house, that's me. So I think you're right that it's not even just about how you identify with your own gender and sexuality. It's the stereotypical roles that I think also are not represented very well yeah. in most ads. Yeah. So I mean, listen, I don't, I don't envy, I don't envy marketers. That, that's a hard task. Um, and, you know, even even, you know, one that's obviously Black Lives Matter is so relevant today. And so um, when we asked what brands should be doing to support Black Lives Matters, 85 percent of consumers said that they expect brands to take on some initiatives. And the top three initiatives that they asked for were um, asking for corporations to review hiring practices ensuring diversity and leadership. So a lot of people are going to corporations leadership page and and judging accordingly. And then the third third highest one was supporting external initiatives. So the mm -hmm. donations that companies are making, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I thought to me that was interesting because 85% of the people we surveyed, which is a lot of people said they absolutely expect the brands that they're purchasing to be involved in some way, shape or form with Black Lives Matters. And those, those were the three top areas where their expectations lie. Is that somewhat generational too? Or like, do you find that's typical Z, millennial, less so when you get into the boomer traditionalist yeah. realm um, or yeah. not really is this this rallying cry that we're seeing right now is it actually gone cross generation and it's not just the young are upset and it's like everyone's now stepping in is that what you're yeah. seeing I think that is uh, I think that is semi accurate more and more you're seeing baby boomers get involved and uh, I don't know if this is the reason, but here's a stat and you guys can deduce on your own, anyone listening, but there's also an increase in multi-generational homes. So yeah. I do think some of these millennials are influencing these baby boomers as people start living together more, multi-generational. That could be sort of part of it. But but as as an example, you know, just kind of moving on to kind of other beyond DNI, but just kind of out of advertise now is 33% of millennials say they distrust media, but 53% of baby boomers say they distrust media. So wow. I will say that there is, there are generational divides. So what you're hinting at is true, probably both of causes as well as trust in media in general. Um, but millennials do trust their media outlets more than than baby boomers right now. Hmm. And but their yeah. media outlets are probably different 
you know, are they, they're not going to yeah. the New York but Times. The, yeah. Yes. But the pandemic, it looks like is making them merge more and more. Um, and so I'll kind of get get to that in a moment. One one sort of final thought that I thought might be helpful for this audience around just kind of how to advertise now is um, fewer than 15% of consumers disapprove of brands advertising as normal. So another put another way, 85% of people say go and go in the normal way. I, I, I don't need... Um, sad, sappy music in every ad. I don't need to necessarily hear how you're addressing COVID in every ad. 85% are saying yes, advertise and advertise as normal because they actually want to feel normal, right? So yeah. um, I thought that I was also is, stood out. Yeah, when you think of like as yourself as a viewer, how many times you're now, like everyone hopped on the hero bandwagon or frontline responders honoring them, which was great and very noble, but all of a sudden everybody was doing that. And it's like, if you couldn't tell which commercial belonged to what brand because they all mm. had that same look and yeah. feel and message. So I think there is, what, I, what I'm hearing you say, and I've heard this in other conversations, is the importance of authenticity. So just like, oh, let's now tell, you know, praise our heroes because we think that's what our audience wants to hear. It's like, you know what, be yourself, you know, yes, things are crazy out there, but try and be whoever you are, be authentic to yourself and your advertising should reflect that. Yeah. And to even just go back to, to add to that, to go back to my, the first stat that I uncovered was be authentic to themselves, be authentic mm -hmm. to your customer. And your customer yeah. might not be just one image or even three images. It's there's a lot of different representation of your customer, and they don't feel represented today. Um, and and you know, step one in selling them something is to show them themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. This this is you buying my product, but if you don't represent yeah. you, this is someone else buying my product, and therefore there is not quite the connection people might be paying yeah. for. And that, that um, leads to the other issue, which we won't get into today, but companies often aren't conscious or thinking about representing their customer because the people working there aren't reflective of their customer. So you don't have that person in the room going, wait a minute, that does not speak to me or that doesn't speak to, to how I would approach this. So we have to yeah. start getting diverse people into the industry so that we can, when they're sitting in rooms, they can speak for uh, the diversity of the customer base. But that's, that's another whole conversation. Um, tell yeah. me about some of the other trends that you've, that you yeah. uncovered. So that's a good one. Sure. So, so very quickly, you, you know, so we, you, you go deep into this data and we're getting a lot of data. And one of the other themes that's starting to cross my desk is this growth in baby boomers. And, and, and specifically, I think what this pandemic has caused is it's forced an older generation to get more tech savvy. So there's always been this idea of silver tech, right? That, that was sort of a, a phrase coined a while ago, but even, you know, um, I was listening to a podcast with PayPal CEO and he basically said his fastest growing customer base from March to April, April was silver tech. So he's, you know, updating his interface to court baby boomers more and it's paying off for them. Um, so like you know, font for, the, for people who can't read. <laughs> is that, is, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, you know, yeah. 
more frictionless experiences that serve an older demographic is, is paying off. So another stat is, um, is both baby boomers are twice as likely to say they're listening to more streaming services, so music and video, than they were in March. So, so they're streaming, they're listening to music, they're, they're, they're using a ton of e-commerce platforms, they're paying for things online more, you know, all of these things that sometimes you categorically would not say baby boomers are doing the most of have actually increased a lot since March because of this lockdown. Um, and 40% of this demographic says, says they're cooking more. So, so when you start to put all of this together, so you've got silver tech on the rise, you've got, you know, multi-generational homes. And so if, if I was out there, let's say selling a smart home product, I would go for baby boomers. They know how to use this stuff. They're home and they're actually cooking. And so, you know, you, you start to put these stats together and you realize if, if you're, you know, a smart brand, you actually have a new customer base here. Um, this this mm. could be a good thing. Anyway, Some final are... thought. Speaking, yeah, yeah final ahead. thought. Just speaking of food, yeah. is you know, so everyone knows. So the the big idea or the new idea is not that everyone's cooking a lot more, right? You know, the whole sourdough bread movement um, is is huge. But I'll I'll just you know one of the things that's sort of interesting that we're seeing is. Um, the pandemic has, it seems to have caused, especially in younger generations, uh, millennials and such, uh, renewed efforts for sustainability and even, you know, what they call sort of flexitarian, which is an attempt to eat less meat. So they're not saying I want to go vegetarian or vegan, but a lot more people, there's this huge increase in people saying I should do more for the environment. The pandemic is having a positive effect on the environment. How can my food habits actually help here with sustainability and flexitarianism is on the rise because of it. So there's so like the interesting things and just, I don't know, for, for so many people, food is culture. And so if I was a brand or a media company right now and I was looking for indicators to make decisions off of, or what content do I put forward? Um, you know, how do I advertise these days? I actually would look to food trends, even if you're not a food brand, to help figure out what to do next because it's such a major part of American and global life. Anyway, lots of interesting yeah. stats there. Yeah, that is so, when you think about it, we've all been locked up at home and you're isolated. So there is something comforting about eating food that is, you know, speaks to you in a very emotional way, which would be food that is part of your, your heritage or your history or learning recipes. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see how this pandemic has yeah. really changed so many habits and so many um, ways of being that, you know, it's, it's, some say that it just speeded up what was already happening. Um, but I look at my mother who's, you know, in her eighties and for her to connect to the world, she had to figure out like FaceTime, you know, otherwise yeah. she's not seeing yeah. anybody. So amazing how even, you know, in your, she FaceTimes me all the time. Of course I'm looking at her elbow, but she's <laughs> using it. You know? Anyway, I do want to just pivot a little bit. <laughs> Cheryl, can you see me? I'm like, Mom, yes, I can see your elbow just fine. <laughs> anyway, She's um, on. market tour, market tour. Right? You've had an amazing career. And one of the things that I'm just so in awe of with you is 
that you have really charted out your career path. Like I often say that most people, their careers happen to them. You're working in a company. Uh, maybe you're starting to feel like you're at a dead end. You're not sure if there's any room to grow. Someone got hired over you. You're in that vulnerable and then boom, a recruiter calls or somebody you know calls and says, oh, we have a job over here. Next thing you know, you're making a job change. I think that is probably the typical career path for most people, but not you. You've been very deliberate and intentional about the choices you've made and you've ended up around the entire ecosystem, agency, ad tech, mobile, data, and now you're here, you are, you know, running a whole big research practice. Tell me how you plan your career and your philosophy around it so that other people can learn from that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. And I'm not even going to downplay it. I'm I am actually quite proud of my career. Right. So so thanks for saying and noticing. Um, I'll tell you, you know, in like a minute or less, here's the synopsis is I spent the first part of my career at a lot of startups. Um, and if you look at my resume, the thing that I think is interesting is the when it was like mobile before anyone cared about mobile and the Internet before anyone cared about the Internet. And so it was a lot of sort of early stage, high growth startups, you know, helping kind of create that ecosystem. Um, and then about halfway through my career, I got some really good advice from a friend, um, Trisha Hahn. She's head of product um, over in one of the IAC units. And she said, you know, Carrie, you, as good friends do, she basically said, you're old enough now to think about what you want to do last and move backwards and start uh -huh. filling in gaps. So instead of saying what I want to do next, which frankly has you thinking on, in inches versus miles, it has you thinking like way bigger and way more creatively about your career. So when I thought about what I wanted to do next, I realized I needed a better Rolodex. I needed more operational chops that come from working at bigger companies. Um, and, and I wanted to see a bird's eye view of the industry. And sometimes when you're at a startup, you go like you're really, really, you know, a mile, mile deep and an inch wide into that product. And so right. that's actually what led me to go to publicists. And I will tell you, I, I very much believe in agency life as career pathing because I, I had access to, you know, thousands of CMOs were saying, Carrie, read this in the Wall Street Journal. What do I do about it? Um, so it was great for the for the Rolodex. Um, they are, you know, you, you do have to operate in a very, very modern fashion at an agency. You have to move quick. Um, and yeah, you have every vendor and partner calling on you saying, here's my roadmap. And if you're smart, you can blur your vision and say, here's what the industry looks like. So if those are you know three things that i needed to really improve myself that's what made me go to an agency that's what made me start going to big companies like ibm that are these huge tech and operational playgrounds what i would say now that i've sort of had both small emerging media companies and these large companies is that i realized for me um and you look at your pie chart of your day uh for my personality type I, I have to feel empowered to do stuff. And yeah. so the right size company is GWI. It's, it's 300 people, um, it's pre-IPO, and I brought in all of this sort of thinking, operational thinking, and they're like, yeah, that sounds great. 
If you can, if you can operationalize it, get it done. And it's so, so satisfying. And to do it inside of a research company, which is an unbelievable playground of data, has been like right. just right for me. Yeah. So, but it, but it was that yes. advice of thinking of last and moving backwards and what you want to get out of the companies you work for um, mm -hmm. that really helped me get a much more creative about my career path. Can you, can you share what's last? Where did you start from? Are you picturing yourself on a, in a pool in Florida somewhere or like oh, yeah. what's, what's no, last? It, it is. I mean, listen, it's probably how you and anyone listening would answer, which is, oh, yes, I'd like to be working two days a week as a high paid consultant telling people shit I already know. Right. Like that. that's what that's what the end looks like. Right. I mean, we're, you know, everyone. on I the show that is Right. So, so sure. But, but you know what, you, you better be smart enough for that. Yeah. You don't just get hired for, for that if you really don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So anyway, well, smart, that's, that's incredible. Uh, it's smart, that's, uh, incredible. Like you have to be someone that people see as, you know, someone they want to bring in to get your opinions on things. And I'm, I'm a big believer of these zigs and zags. I've had a lot of zigs and zags myself. You know, I've never been a start here and just keep progressing in the same direction. And that's also yeah. meant step back sideways, you know, making this now I'm making that, but it's those little twists and turns that I think bring a lot of richness to somebody's background. So you go to interview for your job versus, I'm doing more of the same in another place, more of the same yeah. in another place. Like I say that to folks who've been, you've already run a sales team for a big publisher. Why do that with mm -hmm. another publisher? You've been there, done that versus yeah. what you did, yeah. go to an agency. Now you have a zig that's going to give you a whole new set of experiences and understand that mm -hmm. side of the business. And now, and I think research is a great place to be because everything I'm seeing out there, you know, the IBA, IAB, we're right in the middle of everything that's happening. And what I see are, you know, this need for real-time marketing decision-making, insights, you know, folks who have platforms that can garner insights that can help inform a marketer on what they need to be doing today. You know, where, where's my audience? How do I find them? What's the right messaging? That's, you know, every day it's changing. So to have a platform like what you can provide the timing couldn't have been better to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's been, yeah. A, it's been, it's been pandemic proof. If anything, it's been a helpful service through the pandemic I'm finding, which is nice. Now, what about like securing mentors? And if you had uh, your like board of directors around you that you've relied on over the years, or, you know, if you kind of charted this path on your own, yeah. I mean, uh, I've definitely not chartered this on my own, right? I mentioned Trisha, who gave me that profound piece of right. advice. Right, Cheryl, you and I are part of a, an incredible women's group that even just the other day, I was trying to solve a fairly operational problem. And I reached out to like five women in that group about how they handled this particular issue. And then I put it all together in a doc and sent it back out to everyone. And the collective wisdom of those five women around this particular issue 
was better than any book I've ever read, any podcast I've listened to, like anything I've ever paid for. It was an incredible exercise that just kind of reminded me how important it is to surround yourself with smart people. But, but also if they, if they take the time to share information, to pay it forward and say, here's what I collectively learned. Here's that. So when you are off trying to solve the same problem, here's a document that helps you do it. So for sure, I would also say, um, I, I do work very hard to surround myself with people that don't think exactly like me. And it is sometimes quite painful. So I have a little sister through Big Brothers Big Sisters and we have lived very different lives. And you know, she approaches things very different than I do. And we debate a lot about our approaches to let's even say our careers, but mm-hmm. having, you know, I have me, I don't need to surround myself with a bunch of me's that would just be boring. So I surround yeah. myself with with people both like me who are in the same career that can help me in the way I just described, but also people that are unlike me that have very different paths, but really kind of keep you from shaving your own head like Britney Spears did in 2008. You know what I mean? Then there's like those people in your life. So yeah. so I've, I've tried to also surround myself with with people that actually just really don't they they we just don't come from the same backgrounds we're quite diverse but it's 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 been unbelievably rewarding and and helpful i think that's brilliant advice i got i got a lot of the britney spears head shave just when i got married kind of came with the package (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay we have to wrap up in a minute so i wanted to you know i always like to do these words of wisdom from the most wise people I know, which is why I invite them to come on this show. So first let's start, we've had two different conversations. So starting with the insights and the data that you've seen and some of the trends, a quick stop start format, what should brands stop doing? What should they start doing? You already mentioned a couple things, anything that you didn't mention that you wanna throw out there. I'm uh, I'm I'm going to reinforce because they say repetition helps but I would say stop ignoring baby boomers. Okay. 38 million of them are still in the workforce and they're now more tech savvy than they've ever been. Um and and start, you know, start putting a larger variety of representation in your imagery and creative. Right? Yeah. Again, GWI shows only 9% of Americans feel represented. That is that is really low. Um and so those, that would be my stop and start for business. Okay, now you as a masterful career development pro, stop what, start what, for especially women. Let's, you know, I, I'm very passionate about helping women especially. Is there anything you, yeah. you want to pass along? Stop doing something and start doing something. Yeah, I would say from a, from a start perspective, again, just to go back to this research, it, you know, consumers are realizing we're probably in this for the long haul. So there might be fits and starts where you can go get your hair done, but then they might close up shop again on you, um, or you might be able to go to a restaurant and close it up. And so for me in particular, I've been trying to be, I'm trying to start being more creative about how I bond with people. So whether it be family or friends or even clients that I can't have lunch with anymore. So the other day I had a client lunch and what we did is we shared a recipe 
And over Zoom, we cooked the recipe together. We sat down and ate it together. And, you know, we basically, I had lunch with a client and it was really lovely. I mean, it would be better to have been with them, but I'm going to start getting more creative because the research shows we're probably in this for the long haul. I and love then that. I yeah, I was really, it was really nice. I, but, but that's like one thing I was like, oh, I got to get more creative here. And then the thing that I'm going to stop doing is, um, is the best sales advice I ever got was if you think you're babbling, you are. And so I'm going to stop babbling and leave it at that with you. <laughs> Drop the mic. Carrie, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. And I look forward to, give me a recipe. Let's do it. Okay. I'm a terrible cook, but I will try. All right, Carrie, thank you, thank you so much. Well, uh, pleasure having you uh, here today. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Cheryl. Okay, that was Carrie. And did you know that I Be There is now a podcast? You can listen to the whole archive wherever you get your podcasts. And it's not just I Be There. On Tuesdays, our IAB policy podcast features experts discussing the legal and regulatory developments changing the industry. On Wednesdays, IAB's leaders discuss what's urgent in digital advertising on IAB Real. You can go to iab.com backslash podcast to get everything you need. On tomorrow's IAB there, Accenture Interactive's Scott Timon and GSK's Scott Grenz will discuss programmatic in-housing beyond 2020, and they will be with IAB's Orchid Richardson. IAB there is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, John Ward, and Tafiqua Mohinenden. I'm Cheryl Goldstein. Thanks for watching. Come back tomorrow because if it's two o'clock Eastern time on a weekday, you know it's time to IAB there. Take care. Have a great day.